The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another mini podcast, an emergency one. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. We have got a big show for you tonight, a big mini show, because it is a mini podcast, just about 30 minutes, but big news around the Detroit Lions, which we'll get to in a second. But before I do that, let me introduce our co-hosts for this evening. Ryan Matthews is back with us at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, good to see your face again. I forgot that I don't get my little intro drop, but thank you, Jeremy. It's nice to see your face again, too. Yeah, uh, this is a mini podcast, so we have to get going. We can't spend time talking about your your theme song, which is what I'm currently doing, wasting time. So (laughs) let me jump over to our other co-host, who you may recognize from yesterday's mini podcast where we talked about the 53-man roster. John Whitaker is here. John, how are you doing, buddy? Good to see you again. Doing well. Back-to-back appearances. Man, you guys should charge me extra for this. (laughs) Uh, I think that's how it works, right? You pay us to be on the podcast? Is that how it's supposed to work? Excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, let's let's talk about the big news of the day. Before a lot of people even woke up on Sunday morning, before practice squads were made or waiver claims were made, the Lions are signing Adrian Peterson to a one-year deal just over a million dollars with incentives up to $2.3 million. Lions haven't announced the move officially yet they'll likely do that on monday morning along with a corresponding move yet to be determined uh but it's basically a done deal peterson has talked to the media it's it's going to happen adrian peterson is going to be a detroit lion after years of years of tormenting the lions defense as a member of the minnesota vikings uh ryan since i haven't heard from you in a while give me your immediate reaction because you kind of teased this when he got when he got cut you were like ah kind of yeah let's make it happen I just was rooting for chaos at that point. I wanted to see what an Adrian Peterson Honolulu blue jersey would look like. And I wanted to kind of, it gave me an immediate callback to Dante Culpepper in a Lions jersey. Hopefully, hopefully they are not similar tenures. But (laughs) I think, I think what stands out immediately is the most interesting thing about the Adrian Peterson signing is the running backs room went from very young to all of a sudden this veteran presence that, I mean, Adrian Peterson is a sure fire first ballot hall of famer. 
is he going to be comfortable playing such a, you know, playing such a situational role? Because last year in Washington, he had 211 carries. The year before that, he had 251. And he's no spring chicken anymore. He's 35 years old. So I'm really interested to see how he handles a reduced workload because we talk about this a lot of the time. Running backs really get into a rhythm. And some backs are just rhythm backs. And I think Adrian Peterson is one of those guys who the longer a game goes on and the more carries he gets, it's almost like the better he gets because he can wear down his opponents. I don't know if that luxury is going to happen here in Detroit. I don't know if there is another subsequent move that's going to happen. John, how do you feel about the Peterson signing? I'm probably a bit more skeptical of it from a pure football perspective. Obviously, when you bring in someone that old, you have to wonder how much does he have left in the tank? And Peterson's a guy who has a lot of wear and tear on him. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he was a bell cow in Minnesota, and he hasn't been as much in recent years with Washington. But still, you have to wonder. And the Lions have been burnt with guys like Learett Blunt, for example, where it's like, oh, you know, maybe they'll get like one or two more good years. And nope, essentially, it became just a waste of a handoff, really. I don't think Peterson's going to be that bad. Uh, last year with Washington, he's still averaging four, uh, 4.3 yards per carry. So... I'm I'm a little bit optimistic about that from a football perspective, but I'm still pretty hesitant. I mean, I think for the price, it's okay. And I think, you know, the veteran leadership, I mean, we saw Kerryon Johnson tweet about how he wanted to take a, a picture and essentially get a fangirl about it. <laughs> but I'm I'm still kind of a bit hesitant to get on board with the signing. Yeah, to me it it's a move that makes sense based on what the Lions are trying to do because, like you said, I mean, you brought up LeGarrette Blunt, C.J. Anderson. Like, it's clear they have a type. This is this is the kind of player that they want, except effective. And I'm not one to say that Adrian Peterson is is finally going to hit that you know that that eight that 35 year old wall or anything like that. I'm I'm not going to bet against Adrian Peterson. Um, but at the same time. I don't I don't know if I'm really in love with this move. I, I, I don't like the idea of kicking off, uh, you know, the, the youth, you know, he's taking up a roster spot of basically someone that would have been younger and, and more developmental. This is a move that you make if you think you're a power running back away from competing for a playoff spot or for a championship or a division title. And, and I'm not saying the Lions aren't capable of doing that. We just had our preview podcast a couple of days ago and I said they'd go nine and seven and week 17 would be for the division. So I certainly think it's it's possible. But it just it's it's a weird it's a weird deal. I I'm it, I'm not hating on it. I don't love it. Um, and and like I said, it's it, it's a cheap deal. It's it's one that that makes sense with what the Lions are trying to do. I was just starting to warm to the idea of this team doesn't need to have that power back anymore. They have Carryon Johnson who who likes to run physical. DeAndre Swift likes to run physical. They, they decided to keep both Scarborough, and that's fine with me having him as kind of that, that third down back um, short yardage back to me, that, that was fine. I, I was perfectly okay with that. And now you, you get Adrian Peterson, you throw him into the mix and now who knows what happens. We, we, we already have, have lost one of the lines, young running backs. Sounds like someone, another one might be out the door. We'll, we'll see what the corresponding move is on, on Monday, but I don't know. I, I, the the other way to look at this is that role that you're talking about, Ryan. You, you said, you know, is he is he willing to take a complementary role? Is he going to be as effective in a complementary role? And I think that's where we have to discuss here is like, what is his role going to be in Detroit? Because Adrian Peterson is a guy with a lot of pride. Adrian, you know, he was a guy that 
that wanted to go somewhere prior to this where he was going to be featured significantly. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, now he'll just kind of fit into that situational role, play some short yardage plays, and then be in and out. But I don't think I see it that way. I, I mean, I know the Lions have on Johnson. I know they have DeAndre Swift. But a guy like Adrian Peterson comes in, and he's at least your number two, in my opinion. Because like you said, 211 carries last year. He That was the 17th most, most in the NFL. You think Adrian Peterson decided to come to Detroit and carry it three times a, a game? Absolutely not. Like he's going to be a, a 10 touch at least guy per game. And that's, that's not an insignificant load and it's going to cut into someone. My guess is carry on Johnson, but I'm curious as to what you guys think. Yeah, it, it could be carry on Johnson. And I think it's, I think it's pretty clear from the way that the running backs room is constructed as is because you have Deandre Swift, you have Ty Johnson. Now we're going to get into the lions kind of surprisingly cutting Jason Huntley and him ending up, you know, elsewhere, but it seems like they're starting to establish a type with more speed and more, <clears throat> more agility in the backfield. Going to Adrian Peterson at 35 years old doesn't exactly fit that bill, but I want to remind everybody of his time in New Orleans, which was very short lived. I mean, when he signed, when he signed with New Orleans, it was his first year out of Minnesota. Uh, it was a two year deal and he lasted a year and he only played in four games. And I think that he just wasn't built for being part of like a running back by committee type type deal. And it, things didn't work out. Now, I don't know if it was just the situation or the fit, but at least now I think I, I think we have to we have to assume that the level of comfortability that he has with Daryl Bevel, maybe that has to be one of the most important things to him. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I think this could this could end up eating into carry on Johnson because Adrian Peterson isn't a third down back. So what carries is he going to take? It's going to be on first and second down. And you would assume that that would primarily be carry on Johnson time or DeAndre Swift time. Yeah, I, I think I think you make a good case there. And and I, I the, the other factor, obviously, here is DeAndre Swift's injury, who, you know, it seems like he's finally back to maybe not 100 percent, but ready to, to practice again. And so the question is, maybe maybe carry on Johnson is one A to begin with then, you know, while, while they ease in Swift, he's maybe two while, while Adrian Peterson is one B and then once Swift is healthy, maybe it's Swift one, a uh, Adrian Peterson one B and then, you know, carry on Johnson guy who gets two or three touches a game. That's kind of how I see it playing out. Maybe, I mean, it, it all depends on how healthy Deandre Swift is and it's kind of unclear whether the lines were just taking it extremely cautious with him or um, if he was kind of considerably injured for a while there. But what about you, John, where are your thoughts on, on how Adrian Peterson fits into this offense right away? Kind of on the same page as you guys. And there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. Now, I think the lines do benefit from trying to reduce the, uh, the workload. Now mm-hmm. we saw it last year with injuries derailing carry on Johnson we might even be seeing it this year with Dondre Swift. And if you can kind of limit the touches, a running back by committee isn't necessarily a bad approach. And I think having Peterson, who's really, he's only similar to Bo Scarborough on the offense, I would say. You know, there isn't necessarily a redundancy by having him on the team. And I think, you know, we talked about having a bit of a power back is always a good, you know, asset to have. But my concerns... It comes back to just what level Peterson's going to be at. And 
we saw this with LeGarrette Blunt, and he was essentially a waste of a t- touch every single time he carried the football. I believe he like had the worst uh, yards per carry by quite a while. Um, and my other thing is, look at the team that released him, Washington. Now, I know they're not necessarily the uh, gold standard for football franchises, but they're, they don't really have that many consistent running backs behind them. They have Peyton Barber, who averaged 3.1 yards per carry last year. They have Antonio Gibson, who is a converted wide receiver. They have Bryce Love, who's coming off a ACL injury in college, and they have J.D. McKissick. So you're telling me that you couldn't find a role for Adrian Peterson in that group. Now, I know you can argue that they're rebuilding, they're looking for youth, but I feel like the Lions probably should have been in that similar mindset. I don't really know how someone like Ty Johnson fits into this roster. I mean, he is definitely the speediest guy, one of the speediest guys on the team. But how many touches is he going to get on offense if all of a sudden you have Swift, you have Johnson, you have Peterson? I don't really know how he's going to find a spot barring injury. Yeah, I think I think the answer with Ty Johnson is probably special teams because that's another kind of reason to maybe not like this pick as much as we're not getting any special teams out of Adrian Peterson. You're not getting a 35-year-old out there to to go run the length of the field and, and crash into someone. That's not that's not happening with Adrian Peterson. But I wanna I wanna pull in this quote from uh from Adrian Peterson to Josina Anderson uh, via Twitter because I, I see some people in our chat you know curious that Adrian Peterson might not get any play at all. He said to Jacina, they're giving me an opportunity to play. I know Coach Bevel from my days in Minnesota. Ultimately, I feel comfortable going there and helping them to get better. Um, that to me is pretty clear saying, they told me I'm getting a significant role here. That's all I needed to hear. Being with Bev is obviously a, a you know, cherry on the top for him, but um, I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think it's going to be a significant one. I wouldn't be surprised if week one, right off the bat, he gets more touches than any other running back on the Lions team. Am I crazy for that? I don't think that would shock me. I don't think that would shock me at all. And at the same time, what what harm is there in having the insurance policy be Adrian Peterson? And I, and I know I, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be okay with having a reduced role, but isn't it isn't it just aren't the Lions better to have him on the team than to not have him on the team? In terms of quality of player, in terms of what he can bring to the table. I mean, I I think it's pretty close. I mean, yeah. going back to the roster, you know, the only really person who does a similar role is both Scarbo. Now, Scarbo did pretty well in his limited role last year. But one, he's another dude who has a lot of injury concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think, honestly, what we saw last year is probably the best you're going to get out of him. I yeah. think if, if Peterson still has a bit in the tank and he still had a few good games last year, you know, that might be a bit of a better option, even with his age being up there. I, I mean, if the question is simply Bo Scarborough or, or Adrian Peterson, to me, there's no question Adrian Peterson is still the better back. Um, I, I guess my concern is just like, why why is this the position we're, we're continuing to add to right now? Like, we, we, we went this offseason and added a ton of guys. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent. And and it's it kind of goes to this overall philosophy of like, we've, we've got to get the run game going. We've got to, you know, pound the rock and, and you know, move take the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands and that's not how I think you win in today's NFL. I know I know this is something that me and Patricia are on a sale made at, at at this point, but it's just like it's more feeding into that. And I think maybe that's at the core why I'm not excited about this move like some other people are. But but I think you're right, Ryan. I think in terms of overall talent, the lines definitely get better with Adrian Peterson on the roster. I can't argue against that. Couple of things. One, over or under 
four and a half catches for Adrian Peterson in 2020. <laughs> uh, I mean, mm. how many did Bo Scarborough have last year? I'll go five. Yeah. You'll go five. Yes, but, but that's what I mean. I think the one thing that I don't like about the signing is that Adrian Peterson is such a predictable back. Like he's not going to catch passes. What he's going to be in there to do is run or it's going to be play action. So, I mean, there isn't that dimension of versatility to him last year, by the way, he had 17 catches on 23 targets and that was playing 16 games. So didn't really have too many better options in Washington. Let's go split backs. There you go, man. Deandre Swift, one side. Adrian Peterson on the other. Who says no? Oof. We all th- there's no lightning or thunder to flash like when we had uh, Monster on the <laughs> show. But the one other thing, would you have rather had Leonard Fournette at four point two million? No. Or are you? Yeah, you're much you're much better off with Adrian Peterson. I mean, you know, yeah. you know what I think about spending on running backs. The best part yeah. of this deal is that it was cheap. Okay. All right, that's fair. I mean, I think at this point in his career, I'd probably rather have Leonard Fournette, but at the price point, I think you get a low-risk, high-reward with Peterson because at, at the absolute worst, he gets cut. True. And that, that I mean, that won't happen right away. I think I think he's plug-and-play at this point. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he might be the, the leading toucher in the backfield this offseason, um, or this first week of the season, I should say. Um, the other thing I want to just bring up quickly so that we can get it out of the way, I, I want to not just gloss over the fact that there are moral reasons to not in, like the signing, you know, obviously there's, there's some things in Peterson's past that have made people shun him for, for good. And I understand that. And I want to respect that. It's not something I want to get too much into because it, it's an, an argument we've probably already rehashed for years and years and years, but at the same time, it's not something you, you should completely ignore. It, it, it should be something that's factor, factored into bringing him into Detroit. And I know there are a lot of Lions fans that are upset about it. And the, the Lions took that risk and, and they, you know, a lot of teams take risks like that. They, they, they sign guys that are unpopular because it makes them a better football team. And, and that's what the Lions did today. And, Maybe that's selling their soul a little bit, and maybe that's going to turn off some fans, but it's it's what they decided to do, and, and they're certainly not alone in, in that kind of conduct in this business. Yeah, and every fan has every right to feel that way, for yeah. sure. Yeah. They have right. every reason to take umbrage with it, but yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna join. We're gonna start talking about the practice squad the Lions have made—a 16-man practice squad for the first time in NFL history. And then also, the Lions lost a player at the same position as Adrian Peterson. We're gonna talk about it next on the mini podcast, Lions Training Camp slash, uh, I don't know, Adrian Peterson edition. Great outro, Jeremy. We'll see you in a second. And welcome back to the mini POD cast where we're talking Adrian Peterson. And now we're going to move on to the practice squad on uh, lines, develop their 16 man practice squad. And actually, before we even get to that, let's talk about the roster cut that we talked about a little bit yesterday that turned out to be a significant one. Uh, lines, fifth round pick Jason Huntley 
was waived on Saturday. And unfortunately, I don't know if the Lions were planning on bringing him back to the practice squad, but they were not able to because the Philadelphia Eagles claimed him. He is now part of their 53-man roster and doesn't look like he's coming back unless the Eagles really don't like what they see. Um, guys, was was this a blunder on the Lions' part? Was this them understanding that they were about to sign Adrian Peterson? Um, are, are you angry, upset, disappointed? indifferent how how are you guys feeling about this move let's, let's start with john this time uh kind of what i touched upon yesterday even you know when they mentioned that he was waived uh there's still the possibility that he could have returned uh but i just said it's disappointing um that's really the best way to describe this is that when you spend a fifth round pick on a pretty dynamic young running back like that obviously he's, he's pretty small but Wicked speed, he could basically be a pretty decent third down back. Um, not only is waving him kind of a surprise, but just now now not even getting to reap the rewards of a long-term project. Uh it just it seems extremely disappointing to me as not only a Lions fan, but also if you look at some of the assets the Lions have put into that. Obviously, fifth round picks, you know, they don't necessarily see a lot of snaps, so this year it probably would have been pretty quiet. Uh, but one, you know, you could have spent that pick on a punter, which no offense to Jack Fox, but he doesn't necessarily have the pedigree that some guys might have, say, Brayden Mann, for example, who's popular. Um, and then also, you know, this is just a bit of a nitpicky, a bit too negative. But I'm thinking about one, essentially you traded Quandre Diggs for fifth round pick that eventually through, went through a few more trades and then finally came back to Detroit, which the Lions then spent on Huntley. Or you can also look at it from the Darius Slay perspective when the Lions traded a uh, Darius Slay for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Now, it wasn't the exact same fifth-round pick, but essentially the Eagles got that back when they claimed Huntley. So there's a lot of disappointment going around. Ryan, you feel the same way? I'm not very upset about it because it's just a fifth-round pick. That That's it? Yeah, that's really it. I mean, let me ask you this question, Jeremy. Are you more upset that the Lions spent a second round pick on DeAndre Swift or more upset they drafted a running back in the fifth round and he got cut? <laughs> that, that's an unfair question. Well, because yeah. if you're, I mean, if you're getting upset with draft strategy, here's what happened. The Lions ended up taking a guy who could come into camp and I think he was a safety valve. I think he was truly, hey, you know what? If the transition from Agnew being a cornerback to being a wide receiver doesn't really hold well you know what we have a guy that we drafted who is a return specialist and a running back uh it must seem as though ty johnson just outperformed jason huntley and the lions trust him more as a special teams player so you can't i mean you just cut bait with the fifth round pick because you have better players you have better players in house i'm not going to get i'm not going to get all upset about the lions cutting a, a fifth round pick when they just had better options on the team. Right. And I'm, I'm with you in, in some place. And then some people be like, well, if, if you had such a crowded room, why did you draft him in the first place? I think part of the reason why Jason Huntley was waived and chats all over it already is Jamal Agnew. I think Jamal Agnew making such a seamless transition to wide receiver, Jamal Agnew yeah, continuing I mean. to show that he's a really good punt returner and probably going to be this team's kick returner as well, meant that that there just wasn't a role for Huntley this year. But 
there could have been in the future. And as someone who's actually seen Jason Huntley play a little bit in a Lions uniform, I have to say it looked like there was, you know, there was some hope there that he could be at the very least, you know, a, a backup punt returner and a potential threat like a J.D. McKissick type of thing, like where he's coming in on third down and he wasn't anywhere near as ready as as a blocker, as a pass protector. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why he was cut in the first place. But as a guy who can come in and catch out of the backfield, a guy that just is dangerous with the ball in his hands in, in open field. And so to have that kind of weapon in your hands for a couple weeks and then gone to another NFC team, it sucks. But at the same time, the Lions are in such a good position with their skilled position players. I think that kind of glosses over this a little bit and and doesn't make it hurt so much, but it's never good to see a fifth round pick playing somewhere else in his rookie season. Especially when you look at a guy like theoretic, like that guy was a sixth round pick and he stuck, he stood around for beyond his rookie deal. So it's not like, you know, a a fifth round pick is just, is nothing. You can get contributors that late and and ensure theoretic is is definitely more the exception than the rule, but um, to not have a guy that was so much raw talent, um, around at least on the practice squad. It, it's unfortunate. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at the Lions for drafting him. I'm not mad at the Lions for waving them. Um, if, if anyone, I'm mad at it's It's the Eagles for claiming him. But in, in the end, it's just, it, it was an unfortunate series of events to, to lose Huntley and it sucks, but it's not, it's not like this. You can't be like one of those guys like, this is the reason why the Lions are where they are. This is the reason this franchise is in the dumps is because they lose their fifth round draft pick to another team. Like, no. That's not that's not how the NFL works. You just if you hit on your day one and two picks, you're gonna be fine, and that, that's where the Lions haven't been great at. And so um, it's it's not a roster changing move. It's not a franchise, you know, drift shifting loss. But it it just kind of sucks to me. That that's all I feel about it. You could be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They literally cut the fourth overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft. True. True. That's a big yikes. All right, let's move on to the practice squad because the Lions did establish their 16-man practice squad. Now there's a good chance, even by the time this is dropped on our podcast feed, that it's going to look a little different. Um, But I think the the thing that jumps out to me right away is two specialists. They got a backup long snapper in in Steve Wordle and their backup punter in Aaron Sipos, both on the 16-man practice squad. And I, I have to... I I don't I don't really know how to read this because on one hand the practice squad is now 16 guys so you can probably afford to keep a long snapper and and not you know not be cutting someone who who should be on the practice squad. You got you got so many open spots but on the second on the second hand like is this them saying to Don Muleback and uh Jack Fox like hey the slightest of mistakes we got a guy waiting in the wings so don't mess up. Is that is that the proper way to be reading this? I think it offers them the ability just by expanding that practice squad that, I mean, they have a punter who is not proven. They mm-hmm. have a long snapper who's long in the tooth, but also the best long snapper of all time. <laughs> and I think that it's just kind of one of those like afforded luxuries because of the expansion of the practice squad because I would be really interested to see whether or not they would have made the practice squad had it not been as big as it is, because you're definitely keeping David Blau. You're definitely keeping, you know, Bo Benchel. Some of these guys are, are surefire, you know, guys to, to bring back and put on the practice squad because they play valuable positions. Hunter and long snapper. It seems like 
you know, if in the middle of the season your punter goes down, you go out and get an, you you go out and you get a guy off the way you know the waiver wire off of you know wherever. Um, I think it's just an afforded luxury that they could have a player like that who has been in house, who has you know been through you know quote unquote training camp with the team, and and they have him stashed and ready to go should things go sideways. Yeah. And, and I mean, they get to practice with the team too, so they can kind mm-hmm. of continue to develop that chemistry with Don Muehlbach or, or with Jack Fox just in case. So th- there is that kind of added benefit. Um, is, is that how you view it too, John? Uh, yeah, that's kind of, I was, you know, pretty hesitant to pencil in Muehlbach as a sure thing. Obviously he's getting up there. And if anything, this would have been the right year to transfer to a new long snapper because there's no chemistry with the holder and punter. Uh, but I think keeping them on the practice squad really doesn't make that big of a difference. Like I'm looking at some of the guys that the Lions cut and didn't bring back to the practice squad. And, you know, obviously you can talk about having an extra punter or long snapper isn't necessarily very valuable. But at the same time, I don't think the Lions are going to be missing out on the likes of, say, Wes Hills or Chris Lacey not being on the practice squad. You know, in terms of them getting poached, I don't know how likely that would have happened. But... You know, I, I don't have a problem with it going forward. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty simple situation to me. It's just, I mean, it's fine having those guys. You you have the extra spots for it. Um, like you said, it, it helps develop chemistry, and it, it's there for an emergency on a rainy day, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Any any other surprises here on the practice squad? Um, I think bringing back Kenny Wiggins and Bo Benshaw, you know, kind of put at ease some of the concerns we had about how little depth that they had that they decided to keep only what four guards on their, on their 53. So you got a guy like Kenny Wiggins coming back. You, and now you have Ode Abushi who just resigned with the team and, and they put Mike Ford on IR, which we're not going to get too much into, but now the lines do have a, a veteran presence there on the offensive line on the 53. Um, looking elsewhere, Isaac Nauta makes a team. Matt Sokol does not. Um, so the Lions have decided on who they're kind of their backup, maybe maybe third string tight end. We still kind of have to wait and see what's going to happen with uh, Hunter Bryant. Uh, looks like they're probably going to put him on IR, but we still kind of have to wait for that to happen. Um, any any other names kind of jump out to you of of either surprises or, or at least notable um, guys on the practice squad this year? I think one of the most interesting things, not about the practice squad, Jeremy, but real quick that the Lions really valued Hunter Bryant. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So much, so much so that they were willing to keep him. I mean, it, it, it looks as though because of roster numbers that he's probably going to end up on IR and and that, but they didn't even want to take the chance of cutting him. Yeah, they they didn't want to put him on waivers. That 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 much is clear because they could have waived injured him, and and again brought him back to IR, and it would have been the exact same as as what they're essentially doing if they put him on IR. But this way, there's no chance of a a, a team claiming him, even you know. It doesn't happen often, but when you wave injured someone, um, there are teams that occasionally claim them anyways, and uh, the Lions weren't willing to to chance that. So yeah, and and it makes sense when when you saw what he was doing at training camp. The guy was a beast in terms of route running. He's catching a ton of balls. So yeah, I think that's that's quite notice, notable. And I think um, once he's healthy enough, he could even you know make a, a a small but significant impact this year. And then the one other notable thing before I let John get to what he wants to say is the the fact that we ever get ourselves worked up over whether or not the Lions should keep two or three quarterbacks because we don't want to let the third quarterback get to waivers should die right now. Yeah, it should right. die an immediate death because 
try to just put yourself in the shoes of any other NFL organization. Like they're not worried about poaching a third string quarterback. Like that's not going to happen. It's it's like the chances of it happening are so slim that we should never, ever get ourselves worked up about it. And I know that's the joke in town is that the, the two best players is always the backup goaltender for the Red Wings and the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions. But that should die in most unhonorable death right now. <laughs> I mean, not only did David Blau clear waivers, but a guy that we talked about for about five minutes last last night, uh, Josh Rosen cleared waivers a guy that i, know. That, I mean if, if you're going to claim any quarterback that, that happens to hit waivers why not a, a top five draft pick uh yeah uh, just a couple of years after after being drafted granted he was on a rookie deal that was a little more expensive than it maybe some teams are willing to shell out for a developmental project but if if josh rosen doesn't get claimed on waivers you, you're probably pretty safe uh you know dropping your, your third string guy mm-hmm all right, John, any any other notable things that you, that you saw from the practice um, squad this year? Yeah, so one, uh, Kevin Strong was probably one of the more surprising cuts. Uh, it's mm-hmm. good to see him back on the practice squad. I think more than likely we'll probably see him on the active roster sometime this year. Um, Victor mm-hmm. Bolden, I feel like he probably took the spot uh, that Huntley was probably going to occupy. Uh, you know, maybe the Lions have to scramble a bit. We'll see. Um but the thing that I really want to touch upon is the fact that they have Ben Shaw and Wiggins on the practice squad. Now, I think having those two is good, but it's funny when uh, originally the practice squad was announced, we're like, oh, Odea Bushi wasn't included. And we kind of thought as, oh, maybe the Lions didn't really value him that much. But it turns out by signing him to the active roster, it means that they actually liked him more than the other two, which I find a little yeah. bit surprising. But I think either way, the Lions, by having this expanded roster, uh, and sorry, uh, practice squad. It's pretty beneficial because now you keep two guys like Wiggins and Ben Shaw. You have a veteran, you have a developmental guy. I think the Lions, I was a bit skeptical about the 53 for the uh, interior offensive line, but I think it's looking much better with them there. No question, no question. And like I said at the top, this is all going to change a lot during the season. It's probably going to change a couple more times before um, week one even gets started. But for now, uh, it looks like, you know, I think a lot of our concerns were were on the on the depth on the offensive and the defensive line. And so they, they kept a couple guys. They, they brought in Odi Ibushi back on the 53. Like you said, they keep Bo Benchall and Kenny Wiggins on the offensive line. Frank Heron, Kevin Strong, and Jonathan Wynn are all being on the pra- are all on the practice squad. So lines have at least a little bit more depth there. Maybe not as much talent as they'd like, but at least depth players. And so I think they're looking okay going into week one. But for now, we're gonna leave it there. Uh, be sure to stay tuned to our podcast stream this entire week. We're going to have at least two podcasts for you this week, including a big bears preview, because guess what? We're recording this a week away from week one. By this time next week, the lines will be one and zero. I'm saying it. They're going to be one and zero by this time next week. I almost said zero, zero and one, but I'm not going to say they're, they're, they're one and zero by this time next week. So be sure you're, you're subscribed to all of our platforms, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitch, whether it's any of your podcast platforms. And, and we're going to have so much content for you also on Pride of Detroit. So make sure you check that out. But until next time, it's chaos. Be kind. We'll see you in a few days. 